So I flip open my 5280 this month, and I rifle through a few pages, and then I come to Top Real Estate Producers in Colorado, and there is the beautiful smiling face of my dear friend, Ann Dresser Coker. I tell you every week that she's number one. I told you I don't make this stuff up. Ann Dresser Coker, Liv Sotheby's International Realty, top real estate producer 2022, number one individual broker at Liv Sotheby's, number one individual producer for Denver Metro Association of Realtors, number one individual in Denver Metro area. But you know what? And here's something else. She has a 95 plus percent referral rate among people who've done business with her through the years. I have my hand raised. I'm one of those people. But beyond all of that, she's a wonderful person, so community-minded, so charitable. You will adore her, and you'll also have the best representation, whether you're buying or selling. Ann Dresser Coker. And you can reach her at anndresser.com, anndresser.com, or you can give her a call at 303 303- 229-6464. That's 303-229-6464. Or at a dresser at livesotherbyrealty.com. Or whatever app you're using, you can uh, click on the uh, show notes there and you'll find a link to Ann Dresser Coker. She's the best in real estate in our area, period, end of subject. Started my day today. That's been a little rough lately. Last 24 hours, not going to lie. Started it with my Boyer's coffee. Made me feel better. Got a little perkier. Got a little bounce in my step. Because Boyer's coffee is the legendary Rocky Mountain Roaster. It's smooth, it's consistent, and it's local. And I love that, man. I love that about Boyer's Coffee. And, uh, you know, they've been around since 1965, brewing coffee in our area, and they do it splendidly. They have a great website, boyerscoffee.com, where you can find uh, your favorite coffee, have it delivered right to your house. Again, that's boyerscoffee.com. And uh, if you happen to be up on the north side, they have a food truck, and it's uh, it's a great uh, place to uh, to go and visit a little bit, get something to eat at 73rd and Washington, and obviously get a great coffee drink. Uh, when you go on the website, you're going to see they have specials going all of the time. So it's BoyersCoffee.com, brewing coffee in the Rocky Mountain region since 1965. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast. Drew is reacting to the work stoppage in Major League Baseball. I got a range of emotions. Pissed off is is near the top of it. And this week, Drew is joined by his TV partners, Jeff Hewson. This took a long time after 94, 95 to get fans back. I'm not sure, you know, what the lasting impact is of this and what it does and how it damages the brand of baseball. And Ryan Spillboards. My tolerance for what's going on is low. I really just didn't have a place for it. And uh, that kind of makes me frustrated. Huey and Spilly have their reaction and an in-depth nuts and bolts under the hood breakdown of the MLB labor dispute you can only get from two longtime players in the league. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. I had hoped against hope that I would not have to have this particular press conference in which I am going to cancel some regular season games. We worked hard to avoid an outcome that's bad for our fans, bad for our players, 
and bad for our clubs. All right, man. I'm not in a good frame of mind. And uh, I want to start out on a positive. So we'll get to the baseball mess in a moment with uh, Jeff Hewson and Ryan Spielborgs, my partners. Uh, but as I said, I want to start positive, man. I want to start positive. College basketball. Had Tad Boyle on last week, and Tad is uh, always extremely honest. He loves coaching this young team. And when we taped the interview, they were about to play Arizona State, and then later on in the week, they were going to take on second-ranked Arizona in Boulder at the CU Event Center. Well, Arizona State turned into a, a bad home game. They got beat, and they got beat pretty badly. As bad as that was and as disappointing as that was a couple days later they bounce back and they have for only the second time in their history or their recent history to be a number two team they blew out as it turned a double digit victory over arizona they won late and it was awesome to see that young group coming together so uh big hats off to tad and he told us that he really likes this group last week this team is really grown up kind of before our eyes really it's been evan batty and, and a bunch of freshmen and sophomores that have kind of paved the way for just the third time in program history the colorado buffaloes have beaten a team ranked in the top two in the country so that's a heck of a win and so if you're a buff fan you're probably wondering man can they make the tournament? I mean, they've got 19 wins. That's a heck of a, a resume builder beating the second-ranked team in the nation, a team that's going to have a, a one seed in all likelihood in the U of A. And the answer to that question, because it's been a roller coaster ride and they don't have many marquee victories this year, is they have to you know, take care of business against Utah, who they have coming up as of this taping, and then in the Pac-12 tournament, they have to at least get to the finals to even be in the conversation. Obviously, if they win it, they automatically go, as Oregon State did last year, and then look at the run they went on. Uh, but they need to get to the finals, and then, you know, they may open up a few eyes because to get to the finals, they're going to have to beat some good teams. Uh, but they're, they're on the right path, which is not a surprise uh, under Tad. More college basketball. How about Colorado State? Been on them all year. How much fun they are to watch. And they're selling out Moby every night. Doesn't matter now if it's me, you, and, and three of our buddies going in there. Moby's going to be packed and loud. Uh, I, I heard seats were going for uh, the upcoming Boise State game for $120 for, for college basketball in Fort Collins. Unbelievable, man. Remarkable. And uh, earlier this year, we had Nico Medved on. You knew he liked his group, led by David Roddy, who should be an All-American, by the way. He should make some All-American teams. He's been that impactful. He's been that good. Uh, Isaiah Stevens. In fact, you heard last week when Tad Boyle was on, he said those two guys, David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens, and he told me this a couple years ago, by the way, they could play for any school in America. And the Mountain West is having a banner year. Uh, Wyoming's been terrific. They got beat by a really good San Diego State team. And it's not the worst thing in the world, especially for the conference, because I think that punched the ticket for San Diego State, which ensures that four Mountain West teams are going to be in the dance. And now you want to see them you know, do damage. I mean, win, at least win a game. Um, and, and hopefully maybe one or two of those teams are good enough to get to the second weekend. Wouldn't that be something? So there you're on college basketball. See, I'm, I'm upbeat, man. That's positive. Good stuff. You know where else I'm upbeat on? 
avalanche. How can you not be? How can you not be? They get to 40 victories faster than any previous avalanche team. And we've seen some great avalanche teams. We all know that, including last year's during the regular season. They won the President's Trophy. They're on their way uh, perhaps to winning another President's Trophy. I know it all comes down to the Stanley Cup playoffs, surviving that and, uh, and winning 16 games and holding the cup up again uh, and having a parade in downtown Denver. That's, that's what it's all about. Um, but they keep finding ways. They're so electric offensively, even when they get down. I mean, they're the best come from behind team right now in the NHL. I don't know if you want to continue that practice as a uh, habit in the playoffs where things tighten up immeasurably, as we all know. You know, one of the guys who's leading the way, and this is also not a shocker, Nathan McKinnon. In and out of the lineup earlier this year, and you know he's still been really good, but the puck wasn't you know, he wasn't burying the puck early on. And so from a goal scoring standpoint, where you'd normally expect him to be among the leaders in the NHL, because he's one of the two or three best players in the world, uh, his name's not up there. But now you watch and it seems like every night he's scoring a goal. Taken over by McKinnon. He shoots and scores! The hot streak for McKinnon continues. Nathan McKinnon Absolutely white hot for the Colorado Avalanche. Great call as always from uh, Connor McGahue. He handles things uh, on Avalanche Radio. So uh, Nathan McKinnon is cooking. The Avalanche are cooking. And that is a super positive. All right. Can't avoid it. Dark days right now for Major League Baseball. A lot to kick around uh, with uh, my partners. They're never shy on opinion. And uh, so without further ado, our Ideal Home Loans Interview of the Week, my two television partners, former big leaguers Jeff Hewson and Ryan Spielboards. All right, fellas, I'll start this out. I'm, I got a range of emotions. Pissed off is, is near the top of it. Frustrated, near the top of it. Angry, I guess that falls under pissed off. I feel bad for a multitude of, of people, fans, people who make their living in the game, hot dog vendors, people who work at the stadium. And and, and way further down the list, honestly, are, are players in ownership. And that's kind of my jumping in point. What's, uh, you know, I'll start with you, Huey. What's, you know, where, where's your emotions right now in the last 24 hours? I, I think uh, roller coaster, as you kind of put it, is is the best way to say it because you know a couple of days ago we were thinking, oh yeah, we're 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 going to be able to start the season on time, and then it didn't happen, and now you're. I, I mean, honestly, I have no idea when it's going to start. And and the thing for me too is I've been through this before um, with lockouts and strikes. You know, as part of that, the strike in 94 and the lockout then in 95 and trying to replacement players and done all that. You know, I, I'm with you. At the end of the day, the owners are going to make their money and the players are going to make their money. Now, uh, everybody else that's on the, the, the outside, all the, the other people you're talking about, they're not going to be able to recoup the money that they're missing. So it, it, it's, at the end of the day, it's awful for, our game of baseball, the history of baseball, the the sport itself, where you know what direction is going to go? Because it took a long time after ninety four, ninety five to get fans back. I'm not sure, you know, what the lasting impact is of this and what it does to, and how it damages the brand of baseball. 
Yeah, we'll get into that in a sec. Spilly, what, uh, you know, what are your thoughts? And obviously you've been spending a good portion of your day, days, you know, on MLB radio. I mean, yesterday, as soon as they found out the decision that we lost two series, I mean, you know, from a personal standpoint, that's, that's a check out of my wallet that I had nothing to do with. Really, it's just, just like that. Just like that, I lost money. And I have nothing to do with it. I also understand the fight. Um, you know, so from a, from a perspective of what's going on globally, what we've dealt with, you know, as, as a society the last couple of years, I wouldn't even say disappointed. Part for the course with these, with, th- with this group. But I, I just, I don't know if I have the stomach for it. You know, like that's the part where, I, you know, you, you know it's coming, you're hoping it doesn't come, it happens, and then you're like, now what? You know, like, I, I don't, I, I have the perspective of seeing my kids every single day, you know, providing for them, being a part of an industry I love. Um, I love watching baseball games. I'm a fan first. I'll always be a fan first. But, yeah, I mean, like, it, my, my tolerance for what's going on is low. I really just didn't have a place for it. And uh, that kind of makes me frustrated. I, I know we can't judge everything based on social media and tweets and and, you know, callers to talk shows. Do you think either side truly understands how many hardcore, not not just casual baseball fans, but hardcore baseball fans are potentially not going to come back? I would say, I think I think owners and players understand the perspective of what, what they're doing. I mean, it's, they can tell me all they want about how they understand revenues and all, all this aspect. Last time I tracked, Netflix or I could watch different sporting events. We know people like I'm around younger people now uh, in some of the school that I do. And baseball's cool. If I'm downtown, I'll go see a game. But they want to be in a, in a conversion van traveling. The, the casual fan has too many things to look forward to to begin with. So even if you're killing off the Die hard. Our sport has failed to evolve with what's going on in our world. I mean, that's that's the reality of it. Um, even if there wasn't the CBA or lockout, I think baseball would have been in a tough time trying to figure out how to stream games, how to make it more interactive, how to make it more innovative for people to pay attention to it. It's a, it was in a bad spot to begin with, even though revenues are growing and development's significant. I just think your your casual younger fan has way too much to look forward to than just baseball. Huey, I've I've always felt, or I shouldn't say I've always felt. I have more recently felt that because revenues have always increased, and you know, and the players' association naturally are pointing that out, and the value of franchises, not just in baseball, but but across the board in all of sports, continues to ascend and and. Uh, in, in exponentially. However, it's it, it. There's nowhere it's written where it has to be linear, straight up. That at some point in time, 
things could change and the revenue streams could shrink up. And that's having a vision and not being myopic about where we are. And we haven't even touched on it. I still kind of mentioned it. We have not only the pandemic, we have a war going on in, in Ukraine that that is naturally enraged uh, as it should a lot of people. Do you feel like there's some tone deafness on both sides, Jeff? Well, I, I think if you even go back a couple of years to when the pandemic started and how, you know, we we should have been the first sport to come back after, you know, the, the country was shut down for a while and that didn't happen and they kind of drug their feet in. I, I think to your point, I think there was a little bit of it on both sides back then. I know the players wanted to get, you know, 90 to 100 games and the commissioner say no, 60, but we should have been the first sport to come back and be live and people would have been locked in and maybe we could have got some of those younger fans back on board and we could have done all of this. And now it seems like we're always trying to play catch up. It's always trying to, oh, okay, well, look at it this way, but we should have been doing this months ago, years ago, whatever it may be. And so I just think at times we're still stuck in an age where we shouldn't be, where we should be ahead of the curve. As Philly is saying that, you know, there's so many more entertainment options out there now, and we've got to try to grow the game however we can. We've got to market our players better. So, yes, I, I think to your point, there, there's some of that that needs to be improved for sure. You know, I, I look at, and I'm not going to sit here and place blame because when you have an impasse like this, there's blame and probably considerable blame that should lay on both sides of the fence, in, in my mind. Um, I, I think without question, the players, young players deserve to be paid more. The fact that, you know, baseball has ranked last in terms of uh, freshman salaries, if you were, will, rookie salaries, uh, that needs to change um, considerably. Uh, but when i when i look at this whole thing and you know whether it's a cbt or whatever at some point in time there has to be adults in the room that say listen let's achieve this you guys achieve that neither one of us are happy but the game ultimately is most important because when we when they talk about that both sides i think it's just lip service i would agree with that i i mean i i think at times that you get into this bubble of well how we how do we achieve what our side wants to achieve you know and there is precedent too of continuing with some rules of of what's happened in the past you think i, I mentioned the strike the lockout of 94 95 well when they tried to do the replacement players then that didn't work there wasn't a new cba until 1997 so they played under the the old rules well as you're getting close to this we could already have camp maybe open up and say okay you know, we we could get ready for a season to get going while we still try to hammer this out. And, and instead of waiting and waiting and waiting, and I realize there's a lot of free agents out there and stuff, but maybe that's also the kick that they need to say, hey, let's get this deal done. Yeah, the the, the yeah. one the one fear on the owner side though is is what you went through, Huey, as a player. Ninety four, uh, you know, they'll strike. I mean, if the players all of a sudden you get two three months down the road, you're playing games and they still don't have a deal, they'll say, okay, we know what we can do. We can take the postseason away. Well, I, and and then certainly that is the fear that you have. But then then it, 
I, to me, it kind of goes back on the players then and, and as far as what they want to do. I, I'm I'm frustrated, I guess, is the bottom line. I, I, I want to see baseball. I love baseball. It's my game. It's my passion. And so I, I'm, I'm with Billy and you, Drew, that we're fans first and foremost. So I just want to see the game come back. Spilly, you study this thing as we all do every day, and I, I'm so sick of reading about it and reading about you know the various issues. But one thing that I, I it, it seems to be lost to me the CBT and the high end. You know, I know players. You guys were players. You guys were good players. You don't want you don't want a cap. It's the only league that does not have a full cap. It's a soft cap. And I understand that, but there's really only a few teams that are ever going to flirt with that. What I would be more concerned with as a player, Ryan, is getting the floor raised so you don't have a multi. You know, they've talked about tanking, but you don't want a multitude of teams that just say, "Screw it, we'll you know we'll take the revenue from television and and uh, the benefits of that, but we're going to have a sixty-five million dollar payroll." If they could raise the floor, I think that should be the greater emphasis from the players' association. I mean, it's an interesting point. Uh... That problem, if you put a four, you get a cap. I mean, that's, that's, that's the rub, even though you have the soft cap. I think you have to, you have to look at the soft cap in a couple of ways. Um, if it wasn't there, if you didn't have a soft cap, how much do the Yankees spend? How much do the Dodgers spend? How much do these teams spend? I don't, I don't know because we know from baseball, baseball is a cycle. So you're good for a couple of years and then you're not. So you're not always going to be at the high end of, of revenue. A couple of years ago, the Tigers were at the top. They were in a window, and they, they went for it. That's what you're supposed to do. And then you go backwards. So even as I looked at the CBT, there's only two teams last year that even went over the, uh, the competitive balance tax. That's it, only two. And in the last five years, only eight teams even got taxed. That's it. So you're talking about a very small margin. However, if you think about the Boston Red Sox after 2017, what did they do? They traded a face of the franchise in the prime of his career in in Mookie Betts. Why? Because they were up against the luxury tax threshold and they were worried about a draft pick down the road. That can't happen. The sport is better when you do have good teams. I want to watch the Red Sox. When the Phillies were really good and they were spending a lot of money, people came out in droves to watch them, whether it was in a Cincinnati or in Pittsburgh or in Denver. The sport benefits when teams spend money. We know that. But if you were to put a floor, then you have to put a a ceiling. And the last little part on the CBT, and this is the part that I think where the players got really held up on and they're upset about it. And on the other side, owners are using the past CBT threshold as being their guide for why they responded the way they did. Well, those thresholds originally were terrible. So you're basing your map on bad information, hoping that you're going to get it to continue to stay status quo where that CBT should be attached is to revenues. If they would attach that to revenues, if the league is truly lost revenues like they say they do, then the CBT would be more valuable for owners and for players. And you can't make the argument that's not rising. So I think CBT will get fixed. 
Um, but that's where, you know, you're asking players to hold the league responsible. I'm not sure that's the, I'm not sure that's the place that they should be in to begin with. So I, I, I feel like they're doing the dirty work for these large market teams that other market teams that are trying not to. Huey, how do you see it? Well, it's, it's, I, I do kind of like the idea of, of having a floor of some sort because I, I don't think it's quite fair and where one club, you know, might get, uh, you know, some, some of this tax money back, but they don't have to spend it on players or they say, well, you know what? We're just going to tank. It doesn't matter what we do. And then it, where it hurts is a lot of the guys in the middle, guys like Billy and myself that are just grinding it out year after year. But I think we had, we would have more value than just say a rookie. I think those are the guys right now in the union that are really feel, feeling the pinch. And so if you some way you can make sure that those guys are still part of that that process and saying, okay, well, we're going to have our, you know, $25 million a year guys, but then we're going to have our rookies. And, you know, those valuable bench players, uh, we'll just we'll just fill the bench with, with four rookies and keep salaries down that way. So I, I think maybe if you had a floor, but it's got to be a high enough floor. It can't be like, okay, well, we'll take the, the lowest number, say $50 million, and we'll raise it to $55 because that's easy to – spread around that money, it's got to be a higher number than that. But I, uh, you know, the, the competitive balance tax is is interesting because if you look at some of the other leagues that have a, 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 a salary cap and see how much they raise theirs percentage-wise each year, it's much greater than what the CBT is trying to be raised to Spilly's point. And the other thing is it's somewhere around 65% or so of the league make less than a million dollars and most of the executive committee and we know five of the eight on the executive committee you know have uh, the the super agent who was your agent spilly uh, scott boris uh, as their representative and they're all very very wealthy who who speaks for as Jeff pointed out, you know, basically the rank and file, guys that were Jeff Hewson, Ryan Spielborgs, Corey Sullivan, guys that, you know, battled and scratched and probably weren't getting multi-year deals, uh, you know, weren't, weren't you know, a, a, a sexy guy on in free agency was going to get life-changing money. Spilly? Yeah, I mean, so the executive committee is going to have their eight, but you do have 30 ball clubs with players' representatives. And the players' representatives are typically the Hueys, the myself, with the Rockies, I believe it's Scott Oberg, is the players' representative. That's not a superstar. So there there are the rank-and-file guys that have a very loud voice within the union. Um, I, I, I have never looked at this current CBA as a push for the wealthy to continue to get wealthy. Um, I don't think it's been looked at that way. And I also think that fans have a have a pretty significant misconception of what Major League Minimum is and how much players actually achieve that. When you're in your first year, for example, let's say, let's say we took Sam Hilliard. Sam Hilliard last year had maybe, what, 60 days of service time? So even if you were to give it a raise in Major League Minimum, 
he's not getting the big bump like everyone thinks of. Two years service time. So Sam Hilliard, yeah, sure, it's great. He made he made good money. But we're not talking like he made a million dollars or he made six hundred thousand dollars. If it was sixty days, he might have made a hundred thousand dollars. I'm not saying to feel sorry for him. I'm just saying that the amount of players that are actually like getting all these all this financing like people think, it's not as much as you as you wanna as you understand. Right. There are far more players that got a couple of days of service time, so they got they made thirty thousand dollars. And you say, Oh, that guy was a big leaguer, he made over a million dollars last year. The guy made thirty thousand dollars. And that has to last until the next season. Yeah, that that has to change in my mind. My opinion is that has to change. It has to change dramatically. You look at the minimums in in the other sports, and we know baseball plays 162 games. Um, I know Major League Baseball came up 130,000. I think there's more there. You you have the bonus pool. I'm not I'm not going to sit here and debate everything that people are sick of hearing because quite honestly. Uh, fans don't care. They want if they're still willing to get involved when it comes back they want to see baseball more with my boys in a couple of moments uh, but first this for ideal home loans it's crazy real estate market you know that and uh, just like ann dresser coker can help you navigate it when it comes time to uh, financing and getting you in the right product you want my man Brent Ivinson on your team. Brent has been doing it for more than 20 years. He's at the top of his field. You can reach him at 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. Again, it's crazy out there. And he'll help you and his team will help you navigate the craziness, get you in the best product, um, and answer any questions you may have about financing, about refinancing, um, maybe you're preparing to buy a property and you want to get ahead of it. Uh, I have a friend who uh, recently was in that situation, and he has taken great care of them. They have so many repeat customers because they do it right. You can reach Brent and his club at 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. That's Ideal Home Loans. Well, it's fun to be aligned with the best, and steel. Like uh, all my clients are the best in their field. STIHL, they're known worldwide for their power equipment. And whether it's chainsaws or blowers or trimmers, they got you covered. Whether you are a weekend warrior or somebody that just bought their first house or somebody that does it professionally, you want steel products. S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com or Steel USA. Either way, you are going to find their products, and there's a ton of them. Battery operated, which is uh, the way to go for me. You can get electric operated. You can get gas operated still. Whatever is your fancy, you got to go to Steel. S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com. There are more than 10,000 of them around the country. Now, more with Drew Goodman, Ryan Spielborgs, and Jeff Hewson. So my next question would be, how is this resolved? Honestly, how is this resolved? Because they're going to miss more than six games. We understand that. It's a game of chicken right now. I mean, I, th- I think what happens next is uh, players, players owe the owners a, uh, a counter. And I... I 
I believe baseball should go back to a 154-game schedule. I've said that for a long time. Um, I think you can get back to a 154-game schedule where the players get their full pay. I think you bring to the table a 14-team expanded playoffs, which is what the owners want, so they get their additional $50 million back. Uh, I think the CBT has to come to a, a reasonable number. I'd love them to attach it to revenues, but that might be something in the next CBA, so you take it a bite at a time. I think they're about $10 million off on uh, CBT, and that can get resolved with the expanded playoffs. So I think there's plenty of framework there. I think the owners have given a lot to the players. I really do. Um, but the players, the final trump card, which is – that 14-team playoff. And if they do do it, I think the CBT gets resolved. And uh, hopefully you get to a 154-game season and we're good. I think they and, – and the other thing is they got to get back to the table like tomorrow or the next day. They, they can't wait, you know, a week or something like that. they got to get back on there and have these marathon sessions like they had before and get this as fast as they can because they can't – they cannot drag this out any longer. Without question, you know, the old line about you don't build Rome in a day, but I want to broach another subject, and that is – changes to the game because we do have in our game some incredibly bright young stars fernando tatis who uh, we're fortunate to see on a regular basis because he plays in the nl west the you know all the juniors acuna and vladimir guerrero jr and we and we know those names uh, but the game has to evolve and i've always skewed old school and gosh knows between commercial breaks or over beers the three of us have talked about different things many many times and and i i've come around and that i'll give you one right now i'm okay if you shift but you say you have to have all infielders have to have their feet on the dirt um you, you got to do some i'm not i'm okay finally with a pitch clock i really am the game has to move along because the viewer, the demographics in baseball, as we all know, skew very old. And we do have to capture the next generation and generations uh, to come. So the game has to change. What are your thoughts there? Uh, I, I just watched college baseball last week, and I know you, you watched it too, Drew. Um, I watched the UCLA-Omaha game. And there was no ships, and uh, Omaha struck out 17 times in nine innings. UCLA struck out 14 times in nine innings. So during that game, there's over 30 strikeouts. That's at the college level. So my point is, right now, pitching, regardless of what game changes you want to make, if you say, hey, we can't shift, it doesn't matter. Right now, pitchers are far ahead of hitters. I think there's a, I think there's a problem with how we're evaluating players. I think there's a problem with how we teach hitting. Um, I, I think it is, we've seen so much of a showcase sport that we don't, we don't find the contact hitters sexy. Um, we, we often misdiagnose players based on size. Pitchers are really good. They're throwing harder. They're throwing it in locations that are harder to hit. And not everybody can hit. 
So I don't think changing and shifting does anything other than until you reteach and redraft and reassess the players that can actually manage uh, in this in this sport. Well, I, I think you're right, Billy. That we, you know, there's just too many strikeouts now. There's not enough action happening in the game, and that's part of the reason why you know we talk about younger kids and how we get them excited in the game because the game's got to keep you interested. And when you go, we see a guy going to the plate, and you know, well, there's a chance he's going to hit a home run, but more than likely he's going to strike out. I mean, I, things like that, the, the hitting plus, and trust me, I get that hitting 100 miles an hour is really difficult. Um, but there's certain things that we can change in the game. And, the, and, you know, when I look at the game now, there are things that there's certain rules that I would change about it too. So I, I'm all for, hey, let's get back to doing some of the littler things of the game. And one of the things, Spilly, you know, you and I watch a lot of college baseball. Huey, you watch college baseball. We love that game because one of the things usually, I'm not saying there aren't exceptions to this, there's some tempo to it. There's tempo to it. Guys get on the rubber because you know how college coaches are. You guys both play college baseball. Coaches don't want standing around more more so at that level than at any level. I think we need to get that in the pro game. Yeah, I so I saw. I mean, it's a 20 second pitch clock that works really well. Um, there's a lot less time in between innings. I mean, that's that's part of how baseball makes its money is is commercial time. So. Um, that's that's hard to get rid of. <laughs> I mean, we kind of you all three of us are dependent upon that, so you, you can't kind of poop on that one. But it, it's it's a, it's difficult, right? Because baseball isn't basketball. The the, goal, the ball isn't in constant motion. Uh, even if we were to say, well, you know, football has a lot more action. That's actually not true. If you were to measure the amount of time a play is going on in, in the NFL. In a four-hour game, it's less action than a major league game. So um, there's a lot of, I think, perspectives of of sport that are false. But I think it, it boils back down to, regardless of, of if you were to do implement changes or um, however you want to try to speed up the game, the game revolves around wonderful talent that is intriguing and worth watching. We watch Juan Soto. Juan Soto could take a 15-minute at bat, and we would watch it because he's remarkable. So you you have to highlight the remarkable aspects and players in our sport. I think that's the better way to try to address the entertainment value of our game rather than try to come up with measures to, you know, speed up the things. Make the game intriguing. Make the athletes intriguing. Uh, I think that's a better way to do it. Real quick, before I ask you guys for for a prediction as we try to put a cap on this, one thing I noticed the other day on social media, we we all saw this, the uh, thing that was sent out, the guys who were in Jupiter showing the players that were showing solidarity. And I don't know, there was 15 of us, somewhere in, in that range, right? 15 guys. I work in baseball. I'm a broadcaster. I'm paid to know guys visually. I swear to you, I could visually, and I know they're not in uniform, they're in street clothes. Maybe three or four guys that I could visually identify and go, well, that's Max Scherzer, you know that. Right? I mean, am I, am, am I crazy? 
This is a problem. No, not at all. And, and that's where, you know, we we do as an industry, we need to market our young players better. We need to we need to showcase them in different ways. You know, it's great to be on the cover of, uh, you know, we, you think about football, how great it is to be on the cover of Madden. Um, but we've got to be able to do that with the baseball guys. Because you, you talked about it earlier, Drew, all the juniors, all the young stars we have in our game, they're just so remarkably talented. But I don't think we do that enough. I think it's, it's even though it's a team sport, we can market these guys individually and help grow the game that way. What happens here? What's what's the – I'm not going to ask you what the solution is. Billy tried to outline that earlier. But how long are we talking about this before we're actually discussing spring training, a free agent frenzy, and ultimately Major League Baseball games? Spilly? I'm optimistic. I mean, I think it has to <laughs> – if I if I want to get my 154 game season in, which I think is realistic, that's an April 15th start date. Um, right now we are March 2nd. If if you were to get a negotiation beginning again tomorrow in New York, and you hammer it out over the weekend, um, that gets you to March 6th. They need at least 28 days. So, um, you know, I, I think if you're looking at it without significantly getting into beyond April, uh, this weekend it needs to be hammered out. I well, You're right, Billy. I, I really do because I think if we drag this on until May 1st where we have an opening day, I think it's going to – there's going to be severe consequences in that regard. I do think we could probably close spring training down, uh, you know, closer to a three, three-and-a-half week. Uh, so, like, 21 days, it's been done before. I think guys are, are are ramping up. But what that would mean is you would have to maybe carry a couple extra guys for the first month of the season, uh, more likely pitchers. But I think – Earliest next week, we got to get this hammered out because I do like the April 15th as far I mean, how significant that day is in baseball history and world history um, to be able to have a baseball come back on that day would be uh, would be ideal. Yeah, and that's a great point, Huey, because it's not only Jackie Robinson Day, which is a wonderful celebration, as it should be. Um, every year, it is the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson breaking the color barrier. It is already tragic that we're missing games. It would be profoundly tragic if there are not Major League stadiums uh, and Major League action with 42 adorning the back of every player in big league baseball on April 15th. Spilly, I, uh, one of the reasons I love you is, is you're always optimistic. Um, I, I hope to God, just as Jeff said, that you're right. Um, I'm concerned, though, because I think now you're in a pissing match. You're in a game of chicken. Um, I, I think in some regards this was inevitable that there was missed games because both sides want to show each other that they're not afraid to miss games. And I think along those lines, both sides are want, want to show each other we're not afraid to miss a lot of games since we've already gone down that path. I hope, I hope, I hope I'm wrong not only for the good of the game, I hope I'm wrong for all of us selfishly because we make our living in the game and we like to get paid. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. 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 
Hey, boys, it's, uh, I'd rather be doing this over a beer in Scottsdale. Hopefully, we'll get to do that soon. You guys travel safe. Be well. Uh, yeah, Spilly, by the way, Huey actually is doing that in Scottsdale right now because I know where he is. He's, he's in his backyard at the pool drinking a beer as he does this podcast. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, we shall see where this goes, and hopefully, 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 now that we're missing games, there won't be many, but uh, I have my reservations. Anyhow, big thanks to all of you. We'll do it again next week, as we always do. Make sure you catch the DNVR Rockies podcast with my man Patrick Lyons. He does it five days a week. And all of the DNVR product, they got you covered in all of the sports in the region, collegiately and professionally. That's uh, DNVR, so download their stuff uh, also. Till next week, stay safe, stay well. We'll talk to you soon.